Welcome to another episode of Bridges in Tech, a diversity in tech podcast. My name is Joanna Udo, and I am your host. Every week, I chat with women of color in tech, leaders, recruiters, or allies to learn how we can collectively diversify the tech field. If you are new to the podcast, thank you and welcome to the family. For return listeners, thank you for tuning in again. I hope you and your family are well and in good spirit and understand that we are all in this pandemic together. We will come out stronger on the other side, I hope. This week, I sit down with a person that contributes so much to the cybersecurity community and is an ally to the cause of diversity in tech. In his own words, he is a hacker, holder of feet to fire, pointer out of BS, and generally annoyer of most vendors. So before we get started, I want you to type hacker Chris Roberts into your web browser. Now, as you glance through the top results, you'll notice that they are all about the same person. And that person is our guest for this episode. Please join me in welcoming Chris Roberts to the show. Who is Chris Roberts and how <laughs> did Chris Roberts become Chris Roberts? <laughs> oh, not, not like how mommy and daddy made you this. Yeah, let's not go there. That scares me still sometimes. <laughs> uh, let's see. I, I think the best way of looking at it is, I mean, I started messing around with the computer stuff when I was about 10 years old. And this, I mean, we're going back. So we're going back to the ZX80, ZX81 days, the old Sinclairs. I think they were the Timexes or something in this country. <laughs> um, but it was it was those days. I started messing around with them then. And really from then until I was about 14 or 15, it was, it was really, I just didn't like losing at the games. I mean, we were loading games by hand and programming them in. And we were also loading games like off of cassette deck and tape deck. And I just didn't like losing at the games. So... I learned how to basically hack the code, and uh, it kind of went from there. Um, I got yelled at quite a number of times in my youth. Um, <laughs> numerous computers confiscated and various other things. And, um, you know, I, I was fortunate. I, 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 I mean, I, I left school at 15, 15, 16 years old and kind of just went out and worked. And I, I, I job popped a lot when I was a kid because I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I worked in a warehouse, I worked in a slaughterhouse, um, I worked in, in this field, I did data entry for a number of companies, I ended up working for a company for a while, <clears throat> doing the early days of like digital typesetting, so on the early Macs and some of the early conversion systems, so I did a lot of stuff there, then ended up going in the military for a while, and um, jumped out of airplanes for a living, so did absolutely nothing in this field, came out of that, and went back wow. into this field, um, got yelled at a few more times for trying to <laughs> prove a point. Yeah, I really haven't learned. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. I still get yelled at these days. I was going to say, has that gotten better? <laughs> no. Oh, God, no. It's terrible. Even my mother. <laughs> so my mother watches my Twitter account, which scares the heck out of me. Oh, yeah. I mean... <laughs> yeah. 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 It's not good. 
And so every now and again, I'll get this, you know, Christopher will be the phone call. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know that you've, di- you've done something bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, was on the, I was on the BBC News a couple of times for various different exploits. And then my mother will call up and go, Mother, uh, no, Christopher, um, I just saw you on the BBC. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> rock roll. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Oh. Yeah, so it's, um, uh, and it's always been a curiosity. I, I think that's, the, you know, you talk about what defines hackers and who are hackers. It's, it's that continual curiosity and, and a thirst for knowledge, not to, not to hold it and retain it, but just to understand. You know, there's a, there's a, uh, a fairly well-known well you know, algorithm when we talk about uh, data and we talk about space. So if you look at space as a whole, you know, this existence and plane that we live in, you look at space and, you know, what we understand of space is about 5% of what's out there. You know, dark matter accounts for another, you know, I think, what is it, 15 or 20%. But Mm -hmm. the rest of space, you know, between 60 and 70% of space, we have absolutely no clue what the heck it is, let alone even how to ask the right questions Right. to understand what it is. So it's that thirst for understanding, um, which I think drives drives a lot of us and definitely drives me. Absolutely. That is so true. And when you talk about space, it always seems like we know so much, but in theory, we know so little. And it's oh, theory that the yeah. years of work that we have done has only gotten us that far. Well, I mean, it's crazy. Somebody, I don't know if it's still true. That'd be an interesting conversation for like people listening in. But I remember not that long ago hearing from like NASA. NASA was saying we actually know more about the surface of the moon than we know about our own planet, especially under the sea. And I mean, that itself is, I mean, that's astounding when you think about it. But then it's, you got to look at the logistics of it. And you look mm-hmm. at our technology and how far we think we've come, yet we still don't know. And we have a really good understanding of what's underneath our feet, but we we haven't been able to explore it. I mean, you know, the furthest we've gone down is like a couple of miles. You know, not that many miles, like twenty miles or something down, which is nothing. So there's yeah. so much that we don't understand, and I think that's my thing. It's just, it's fascinating to try to figure that out. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's like any, I think that any field of technology requires that curiosity and the desire to learn all the time, but hacker, hacking in particular, cybersecurity, that is on the next level, right? It's on steroids because you, <laughs> you have to keep up with all the other technologies that's coming up. Uh, all the time and figure out how to protect it or even learn about the vulnerabilities and what can be exploited and it's oh, just constant it's crazy i just literally so i mean we were just talking about this is i just got off two conference calls the first conference call was a conversation around iot so you know <laughs> and an iot specifically in building control systems and farming systems Mm-hmm. So I'm going through a ton of stuff with those folks on that one. I get off that conversation and then I'm getting into a conversation about blockchain architectures and the difference between, you know, a COVID architecture and architectures on Hyperledger and open source, closed source and all the different, you know, algorithms and how AWS. Ha- I mean, 
I have to know all this. And I'm like, and I'm sitting there and I'm talking and, and my little voice in the back of my head's going, how the hell do you know all this crap? Yeah. I mean, that's like 200 things that you have to piss together. Yeah. And if, and, and, you know, that's actually one of the questions that came from my, uh, the group that I asked was, are hackers born? <laughs> or, <laughs> or, nature, nature or nurture. <laughs> exactly. Like, are they born? Because some people just, are much better at that stuff and they didn't have to learn it right you didn't go to college to learn how to no. learn yeah. right so what is your thought on that <laughs> i think you know i think yeah, we're born in a test tube i swear <laughs> it's like we were hatched <laughs> <laughs> not from this planet that's yeah, it. it feels like it sometimes i gotta admit there are there are times you know especially having seen some interesting stuff in the military there are there are definitely times I, I take a slightly jaded look at humanity, shall we say? <laughs> um, but you know, I try to be nice. I, I I keep getting told that I need to be nicer than I am sometimes. But no, I think it's it definitely takes a different type of person. I mean, absolutely no two ways about it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's it, it's it's tough because on one hand you live and breathe this. I mean, I do this not just for a job, but I do it for fun. I enjoy mm -hmm. what I do. It drives me absolutely bananas, <laughs> but I absolutely love it. Um, but I, I would argue the same is definitely true of other fields. So an, an amazingly good friend of mine is both a mechanical and an electrical engineer. Oh, and okay. This is a guy who goes into work and basically designs and runs architectures around uh, trains, like transit systems. Okay. And he comes home and he takes hit and miss engines to pieces and like early 1920s, 30s and 40s, um, like John Deere's to pieces. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is a guy who is taking his electrical and mechanical engineering knowledge that he's doing from, you know, 7 a.m. till 3 or 4 p.m., coming home at night and then doing the same thing in the evening. So it's that same kind of, not necessarily a thirst for knowledge, interest in the environment, but it's just a different focus. So I think there's a lot of people out there who are like this. It's just mm -hmm. some of us were, you know, basically decided to, to head down the microchip or microcircuitry world. Right. How do you um, nurture that so if i was a parent or i am a person that sort of is curious about things i like to learn more um what are some things that i can start doing or encouraging my kid to do to uh, i think reading reading comes into it in, in such a huge way or you know again find you know find what that mechanism is because we all don't learn the same way exactly you know, for me, I'll curl up with a good book for for relaxation. But when I actually want to, to learn something, mm -hmm. I'll download it. I'll take it to pieces. I'll buy something. I'll reverse engineer it. I'll play with it. I'll break it six or seven times. And I do it that <laughs> way. I rarely will I actually pick up a book and actually learn something until I've actually got to a point where I'm completely stuck and pickled. Mm -hmm. Um but, you know, for kids and stuff like that, I think one of the best ones I've ever come across, and I even did this with my daughter, um, there's a, it, it's a very fun, but a very slightly, you know, like twisted, scientific, sarcastic comic called XKCD. Okay. XKCD. Um, 
XKCD is awesome. Uh, the author's uh, Randall Munro, and he's done a bunch of books. So it isn't just a comic. He's done a bunch of books. And there's some amazing books. He's done like Things Explained, which is really taking very complex subjects and breaking it down into the most common used words that we have. Um, he's done just some crazy stuff, which I gave to my daughter. One of the books, hang on, which is, what's the book called? Uh, what If, that was it. He did the book called What If, which is amazing. So the book is basically like, well, what would happen if the earth stood still? What would happen if the moon moved away? What would happen if we, you know, if we emptied the oceans? And just crazy stuff that you tend not to think about. Mm -hmm. But when you start to look at the logic behind it, it's some amazing stuff. And it helps us think and it helps us rationalize. Mm -hmm. So I think for a kid standpoint, the biggest thing to encourage like young people, honestly, is get them to ask more questions. Yes. <clears throat> and um, how do you know the right questions to ask, right? Oh, I, I think, <laughs> and I, honestly, I think any question, I mean, you know, the simple one, why is the sky blue? You know, why and do kids we... ask it all the time? <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, it's such a simple answer when you think about it, mm -hmm. but how, you know, most no. people, Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was my thing as a kid. And I, I, when I ask questions like that and I get like a simple answer and I was just all, I was so obsessed with clouds. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand how planes like get, end up getting there, but it's still not even that far up because there's like more happening and nobody could explain it to me. So I'm thankful for Google because <laughs> I think <laughs> the adults around me were like, okay, just go play. I don't know what you're talking about anymore. Oh, I got, um, I mean, yeah, you want to talk about Google. My day, I think the version of Google I had in my day was the encyclopedia. Yes, I love those. I actually want to um, punish a lot of kids with reading through those. So, um, <laughs> it takes you a lot longer to find answers than it is in Google. Oh, that's what I had too. <laughs> man, is it ever. I, I still have a couple of mine deliberately to kind of remind me that that was Google, you know, 30 years yep. ago, 40 years ago. That's um, how far we've come. Oh, man. I used to love them. I would read the damn thing from cover to cover, which is a little scary in its own way. And then the same thing with, like, the dictionary. I just wander through the dictionary and stuff like that. And it was always that, you know, it's back to that why. Mm -hmm. I, I, I remember in, in business, um, an old CFO of mine, amazing guy, Italian guy, if I couldn't explain something I needed from him, typically it was money, let's face it, with the CFO. <laughs> if, if I couldn't explain it in three questions, in other words, when he asked why, if he asked why three times and I couldn't explain it in such a way, in such a way that he understood it, I wouldn't get it. I mean, it just wouldn't happen. So mm -hmm. it really taught me how to actually formulate the answers and formulate what I want to ask for in a way that other people understand it. And you know, it's the same way that we do with kids. I mean, I've always been careful with Morgan to never ever go, well, because, or because I told you so, or because I said so, or mm -hmm. I've always been like, okay, here's my logic, here's the thoughts, here's the process, here's the answer I would give. Now go check it, go validate it, go see what else you can find out about it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's a great point uh, that you just brought up, being able to explain the things you know or the things you need in simple terms that other people that aren't expert in that field can understand. So I think a lot of security people have this problem. They know what all these words mean to them, but they don't know how to convey that to the business. Therefore, the business is like, cool story we don't know what you're talking about and we're going to keep our money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're totally right. I mean, absolutely. Because I mean, you know, again, coming out of the military, we spoke in acronyms. We're just as bad in this bloody industry. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, we're not good at, at ex- to your point, we're not good at explaining something, you know, and the other problem is as well, if you think about it, we've always gone in with absolutes. So yes, 20, 30 years ago, we went into the leadership's office and said, hey, we need a firewall. It will fix the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Famous last words. You know, then we went in when we need IDS, IPS. And they looked at us and we're like, "Uh, stuff to detect people. Oh, okay, we get it. That'll fix the problem as well. (laughs) Yeah, antivirus, that'll always fix the problem. And and so, yeah, exactly. And we've always gone in, we've always gone in with absolutes rather than going in, look, hey, Here's how we can help reduce risk. Here's how we, you know, this this path that we're on is a journey. I mean, we're not going to solve the problem. So the sooner we admit that to ourselves and admit it to the business, the sooner we can get on with the actual business of helping companies like reduce the risk. Mm-hmm. And I have that conversation with uh, typically college uh, students that are studying security or kids that have just been playing with stuff that haven't actually worked uh, in a business yet. And they have this idea. So like, oh no, like we would close the sports and we would install this firewall. Nobody can go to this website. And I said, the and they're like, we can take all this away and everything would be solved. I'm like, that is not how security should work. Right. Um, because the business is always going to accept a certain level of risk. If it doesn't make sense, uh, you can't just close ports. If that port is what they need to complete a very specific task, you need to figure out a way to reduce the risk so that if something happens, it's not as bad as it would be. And they're like, no, but when I go to work, I'm going to be able to do this. I'm like, good luck. Because corporate America is going (laughs) to kick you in the balls. Oh, man, is it ever? Yeah, you are about to reality is going to (laughs) hurt. Yeah. And then they go to work and they start to get very frustrated. They're like, nobody wants to do this. I wanted to do this. I recommended this. And I'm like, yeah, told you. (laughs) Welcome. You've arrived. Oh my (laughs) Now let's get back to work and figure out other solutions. Or maybe it's just how you explained it. Maybe they didn't understand what you were trying to explain. Or maybe you didn't give them any other option. You were just holding them at gunpoint and telling them, this is it. And they're like, okay, we don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, um, it was interesting. Uh, Kathy Ullman, she's, uh, she's up at like, I think it's University of Buffalo. Um, mm-hmm. She and I did a, she actually hit me up. Like, we go back a couple of years and I, I did a post and I'm like, yeah, I'm done with humanity. I've had enough with you. Let the machines take over. And she was awesome. She basically fired back and went, you know, you're better than that. I know you are, so prove it. So I'm like, all right, how about we do something? How about we actually figure out this communication thing? So we ended up doing an amazing series. Um, we presented it at like Black Hat, 
uh, sorry, DEFCON, and a couple of other places. And then we did a really cool thing because it was actually how do you communicate with users, with middle managers, and with leadership? You want the same message, but it's three different ways of actually having the conversation with people. And how do you personalize it in such a way that each one of those kind of groups can understand it, relate to it, and then is able to do something about it? Absolutely. Yeah, that's one thing I love about, um, you know, following you on social media is that your post can easily be understood by people of different areas and uh, different points in their life. And it's not just all the stuff where I have no idea how to connect. And you always use specific examples, right? (laughs) (laughs) And people can relate to those things. They're like, oh, okay, I see. It's like a squirrel. All right, got it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just finding ways to, because I think people would adjust and they'll try to learn if uh, you don't always talk to them like they're stupid. Right. Well, Which is how fact, we tend to talk yeah. to people. Oh, man, tell me. Well, that and the fact I'm a walking disaster area half the time. I've done so much <laughs> stupid stuff in my life that I need to come with a warning label. I mean, you know, that's, that's how I look at it. <laughs> oh, so let's talk about your current role. Um, what do you do today? And <laughs> <laughs> what's your typical day look like? Oh, so it's varied. Um, and my, my role is going to change fairly soon. Um, oh. it is, no, it is what it is. Uh, self-decision. Um, uh, where I am at the moment, I love the technology. I love what I'm doing. I like the idea and I like the stuff on the deception side. Okay. But there's a few things that, that I have made a choice Mm-hmm. Uh, to 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 do something a little different. So I'm going to hang out with the current crew as an advisor uh, and do some other fun things, hopefully. So working on that at the moment. Um, All right. We'll see. Probably by the, the time this podcast go out, things will have changed insofar as like, they will all be official. But yeah, the day's okay. a little crazy. The day typically is a little crazy because I normally don't finish until somewhere between like 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, man. Well, what time do you start? <laughs> uh, it depends. I mean, you know, this morning the alarm went off at like 8.30. I was on a call for 9 o'clock and having to be civilized. There are other days that I'm out of the door, you know, like 5, 6, 7 in the morning to catch a plane. But there's other days I can sleep in. I mean, there's some days that the alarm doesn't go off till 10 or 11. So it, it's kind of nice. I, I get that flexibility. What do you think is the biggest... Uh reason why we don't have more women or more female hackers oh so i think it's a couple of things um (laughs) i mean if you go back to like the 1940s 50s and 60s this was a predominantly female women led world from a from a technology standpoint i mean it totally was yes and then Unfortunately, we had a number of things. We had the male geniuses. We had the Silicon Valley startups, which were typically run by the guys. And they employed guys, and they brought more guys on, and it became a club. And then inside Mm -hmm. the schools and everything else, what happened is, or what feels and a lot of the work I've done, it seems to be is, you know, the computer sciences came up, and they wanted, they they distinguished themselves and separated themselves from the normal sciences, you know, chemistry, biology, agriculture, electronics and a couple of the others they're like we're different mm-hmm. and we're different meant we want to be separate we want to be our, it basically become a boys club mm-hmm. 
And that boys club wasn't good at sharing information. It wasn't good at effectively collaborating. Mm -hmm. Um, And the knowledge tend to get, the knowledge got held. So you had all of this going on um, with, and you look at the computing and the gaming side of the world. So now you've got to look at the, you've got to look at the industry that built this. So much of that marketing for the gaming systems and the Ataris and the Commodores and everything else was aimed at the boys. Yes. You know, you look at almost all of the propaganda, you look at almost all of the, um, the sales material, it's got, you know, doting family and a boy sitting at the keyboard. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you have that almost mentality that, oh, e- boy equals computer, girl equals freaking doll's house or something crazy. Yeah, exactly. And that got perpetuated. And so the stereotypes kind of came out of that a long way. And then you go into the schooling system and, well, you know, it's the computing club that's mostly boys. And they mm-hmm. didn't have that level of inclusivity that we are starting to see now. We still have issues, no two ways about it. Mm-hmm. But it's getting a lot better. And there's so, I mean, but that to me, I think, was what really, really caused a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good explanation. Um, that's something that I have learned about. And I looked at the data and I go, how is it that women (laughs) were like the front runners in this things and now they have declined and declined and declined every single uh, year? Uh, You know, what can we do? We look at where we're going from a technology standpoint. You look at, you know, the intelligent systems or the autonomous systems and that's, you know, a lot of male programmers on that one. And there's a lot of us going, um, (laughs) <laughs> We've kind of screwed up this industry for the last 30 or 40 years. Why the hell are we coding it for the next 100? This is not good. <laughs> Quit this shit. Right? Let's fix it now. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, seriously, I, I was literally this, the United Women in Cyber Conference. I, I, I'd never got, I mean, I think they're going to do it another time. But, I mean, I was going to stand up there and go, look, we, the male species, have kind of screwed this up for the last ah, 20 or 30 years. Can you please get your shit together and take over from us? Because <laughs> we shouldn't be in charge of anything. <laughs> and there's a good old story that women have to come in and clean up the mess again. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's like you think we learn, but unfortunately, apparently not. I mean, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> so what are other things would you recommend that allies or men, I guess, <laughs> should do <laughs> to help <laughs> help fix this problem, right? Men with big egos and all of that. How well, can the, they help? I mean, the men with big egos, quite honestly, just need to retire. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> we need to lose most of this generation. I, you know, as terrible as it sounds, there's some good folks out there. There's mm-hmm. a couple who scare me because they're like, overly enthusiastic which uh, (laughs) the cynic in me goes what did you do in your past which has made you such a zealot now um but there's definitely i mean there's definitely a lot of us i think who recognize that it it, it isn't where it has to be so it's you know it's everything from getting involved in the various groups i mean there's the women no cyber group there's the she CISO organization there's a bunch of, you know, girls who code, the, the purple one. I mean, there's, there's probably half a dozen or more 
you know, either conferences or groups or teams, you know, on LinkedIn at conferences. Mm -hmm. There's so many amazing people out there who are doing everything they can to promote, you know, women coming up through the ranks, women in the ranks already, um, getting the kids involved, um, the STEM stuff, all of that side of the world going, okay, look, I'm here. What the hell can I do? You, I'm here. Let me know what I can do to help. Because I think the worst thing, the worst thing, and I'm, I put a post out about this, you know, I'm going to, you know, I was going to the Women in Cyber Conference. And I'm like, hang on, I'm a middle-aged white guy in, you know, re re reasonably privileged background from a standpoint of where I've managed to build myself, talking to women about problems with, you know, women in the workplace. Um <laughs> <laughs> what the hell can I offer to them that they can't really tell me everything about already? <laughs> right. So going uh, in with the attitude of going, oh, I can solve all your problems should get me slapped down. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, uh, you can't. No, I'm saying. <laughs> no, well, no shit. I mean, that's the thing. I can't tell you the stuff you already know. In fact, you probably know more than I bloody do. So the, I think the biggest thing is, is to come in like open-handed and go, look, what can I do? Can right. you tell me what I can do to help? Is it breaking barriers down? Is it literally taking the CEO of the idiot football federation out and tasering their sorry ass <laughs> until they realize that, you know, equal pay is, uh, I don't know, a default? Yeah, like this should just be normal and we no shouldn't shit. even be having Why a conversation. We... Exactly. I'm like, w w get what the, what, I mean, what the hell? I'm trying not to swear. I'm trying to be civilized. Otherwise, I get yelled at from a TV. They're like, stop swearing so much. Like, I'm trying. You know I'm what? trying to be nice. <laughs> it's all good. My um, mother. <laughs> yeah, your mother. Um, maybe your mother would listen to my podcast. <laughs> okay, I will She. I will send it to her. She's awesome. She's. She, I love my mother. She is that mother who basically everything is all right. Everything is good. Nothing yeah. is wrong with the world. And I love her to death for that one. She sounds so sweet. Obviously, she made you. She put you, up with me for crying out loud. <laughs> well, she also helped make you. <laughs> so she has to take a part of the blame of what you turned into. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which in this case is all mostly good. <laughs> oh, I was terrible. My mother only found out I rode motorbikes like a few years ago when one of my exes actually told her. <laughs> oh, wow. That was a really good kept secret oh, yeah yeah i got i got the i got the christopher lecture on that one yeah my mom <laughs> would freak out if she knew i did that <laughs> yeah so okay so how do you stay on top of the latest trends this is uh, my list of questions um i i'll be honest i'm not sure if i do so i'm very <laughs> I tend to keep an eye on a lot of things. So I read a lot. Like I'll, um, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I'm on Peerlist a lot. I'm on a lot of like the dark reading forums and the register forums. <clears throat> and I sit behind the scenes on just a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, I get involved. I think that's a big part of it. You know, I use Slack a lot for a lot of things that are going on, part of the Tinkerers group and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I also, I think the biggest thing is I also surround myself with, with enough people who we talk and we collaborate mm -hmm. and we just talk and we just talk and you know, we communicate and it's like, okay, what are you seeing and what are you seeing? And this is what I'm seeing and what do you think? Mm -hmm. So it, it's not always about how much I can, how much I can find out. It's, it's really also looking at other people 
but not just have similar interests, but also have different interests out there and going, hey, can we just be friends? Can we just talk? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, what effect has your career had on your lifestyle? oh that's an interesting one um you know it's it has allowed me to do a lot more things um i'm very fortunate that i've been able to travel a lot because of my career Mm -hmm. so i've been able to see places i probably wouldn't have seen i've been able to i've been able to talk to people i probably would never have talked to in, in like another career or another life um, I'm fortunate that I can, you know, I, I live in a nice house. Uh, I can go out when I want to. We've got two dogs that really equate to two other humans that we are able to feed. Um, <laughs> and we do a bunch of stuff for charities. So it, it's, I have a very fortunate side to that. Now, the, the downside is I've made some stupid mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've done a lot of things where I've had to hand a lot of money over and hell, I'm still handing a lot of money over for some mistakes I've made. So, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately the mistakes I've made have been pretty large in some cases. So for good or for bad, it's allowed me to do a lot of things, but I, it's also made me realize that maybe life would have been a bit simpler otherwise. So obviously you've learned from those mistakes. And <laughs> <made some> <laughs> This is why your mama goes, Christopher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I, I, yes and no. Um, I've learned from some of them. I haven't learned to stop poking the bear. Let's be honest. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I was on a Brett Johnson is is an amazing guy, and he and I were on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we were having a lengthy discussion as to how many crayons some of the people inside the FBI have actually eaten. Um, <laughs> And, you oh know, which, which part of the short bus that they actually went on, you know. So, you know, I, I will still poke the bear occasionally. So, um, no, I, I haven't learned on some things. I think what I've probably learned is to put a better safety net in place. Mm, okay. But so, so that means you've accepted the risk, right? That's the risk you're willing to take. Yeah. yeah, I think it is in a lot of cases. Because, again, you know, it's one of those things where, I have a fairly, I have a lot of people who, who look and go, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I won't always tow the rope. I, I'm going to be the one that says, well, why aren't we thinking about this? And, and that puts you in the firing line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've gotten, I've had a talking to by, you know, people that I work with have gone, hey, you really can't say that, or you really shouldn't say that, or you know, a number of other things along those lines. And so, you know, there's definitely some things that have bitten me, you know, the, the issue with the avionics systems, that that hurt. And that mm-hmm. still continues to hurt from a financial standpoint. You know, that's, that's one of those not good things. But um, at the same time, I wouldn't be me if I didn't say true to that. So it's kind of ideal with it. That brings it to this question. What is your biggest ethical dilemma when it comes to your work? Oof. I I think it's staying on the right side Uh, and the right side is an ethical thing. It's not a legal thing. Um, Mm. So, I mean, perfectly cards on the table. I mean, I have, because of the situation I got into with one of my previous companies that I owned and built. And unfortunately it it, it didn't end up right. 
I have ended up with a very, very large chunk of change that I have to pay back over a very extended period of time. And then we're talking a lot of money, like a seriously nice house in a seriously nice neighborhood kind of money. Oh, man. You think about the work that I do. You think about how easy it would be to go, oh, I'll just, you know, the credit cards that we find all the time. Oh, I'll just sell some of those or all the data from a pen test and an assessment or any of the vulnerabilities, how easy it would be to just go, eh, I can cash in on this. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the ethical dilemma. There were, um, we were doing a pen test against a company, gosh, a couple of years ago now. And we got in, we'd spent two, two or three days inside their physical building and they didn't know we were there. And we were harvesting all of their data. We had every single one of their investment accounts across the globe. (sighs) And we downloaded all of that onto a hard drive. We obviously encrypted the hell out of the hard drive, but we downloaded Mm -hmm. it onto a hard drive. When Mm -hmm. we actually handed that hard drive over to them, they told us that the data on that drive was about $49 billion under management. Holy cow. Now you think about the ethical dilemma there. <laughs> That's yeah. you don't just buy your freedom, you buy an island and an air force and possibly a navy to protect your freedom with that kind of money. Yeah. But you're always looking over your shoulder and at some point in time, depending entirely upon what you know, what your background is, what your belief system is somebody somewhere might start asking some really awkward questions in this life or the next. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I think oh, that's man. it. It's, you know, that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. It's, it's, I think staying true to yourself and then mm. in your own mind, how are you able to rationalize, you know, I mean, there's, there's some stuff I do for various, various people in the U S that we do a lot of stuff to, to try to keep uh, children safe. Mm-hmm. And so there's definitely some times there that those lines get blurred because mm-hmm. you're fighting for the children and sometimes the data isn't where you want it. So you put the bloody data where it needs to be, even if it means you've got to go ferreting somewhere else to find it. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, that's to me, that's a fine thing. I'm okay with doing that. But mm-hmm. does it cross a boundary? Absolutely. Does it cross an ethical boundary? I would I would say no because the kids remain safe. Yeah, because yeah, the ultimate goal is to keep the kids safe. Yeah, exactly. So I always say that um, with a lot of different careers, uh, whether that is being a doctor or being a, a hacker, there is a very fine line of crossing over (laughs) you know it's one one minute you're saving lives and it's like those same skills can be used to kill a person right oh yeah Uh, absolutely it's the same thing with you know a black uh, a white hat hacker a black hat right fine lines (laughs) (laughs) so what are some common misconceptions about an ethical hacker so let's, I'll get the, let me, let me get the hat thing and the hacker thing and the other stuff out of the way first. So I am a hacker. Um, that is what it is. I, I am a hacker. Now, as a hacker, my, my job, honestly, for the most part is to try to help companies understand what their issues are and what their vulnerabilities are. Mm-hmm. If I cross that line and I use those powers for bad rather than good, 
-hmm. I turn from a hacker and I end up as a criminal or an adversary. Right. Right. There's no hats. There's no black hat, white hat, <laughs> gray hat. You're either a hacker or you're a criminal. I mean, it, it really is what it comes down to. So if you, um, and I was, I knew that you were going to address that because <laughs> I know it's your biggest pet peeve. <laughs> so oh, I, <laughs> I wanted to make sure I sneak that in there and see if you would catch it. And you did. Oh, so, I'm glad yeah. totally. <laughs> so I'm glad that you explained that because yeah, when you start doing something, um, uh, that, you shouldn't be doing and you are stealing something or whatever it is, you are a criminal regardless of what your career was uh, yeah. in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you don't have the get out of jail free card or you're not doing from an ethical standpoint, you have crossed that boundary. Mm -hmm. You're not a hacker at that point. You are a criminal. Um, and it's a, it's a very, it's not a line. I think there's definitely gray. Mm -hmm. But it definitely, you move over from one side to the other side. At that point, you become an adversary. Mm -hmm. You're a criminal, an adversary, a cyber adversary, whatever the heck label that people want to put on it. But you're not a hacker anymore. You know, there's, we're there for a reason. And, and to some degree, we're, you know, we're, we're here to almost hold our own industry accountable. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, for the most part, there are so many of us that are trying to do the right thing to help companies understand a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And yes, I love my hoodie. I'm actually wearing my one of my hoodies now, but I do not have gloves on. I sure as hell am not wearing a mask and I don't have the Matrix playing in the background. That's a shame. And you don't have one of those, <laughs> one of those fancy laptops with lights blinking all around. Oh, my <laughs> Good grief. Oh, you I, know it. Oh, man. I, I swear I want to shoot so many marketing departments. You're not even going to see them coming half the time. I wish Ooh. it was that easy and they were wearing a hoodie and carrying this cool laptop and wearing gloves. Then I would just spot them and be like, okay, that's who that is and right. avoid them. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's nuts. And I mean, you know, we don't even think about the insider threats and we don't think about all the other stuff that goes on. I mean, it's, uh, I do <laughs> so wish. Much. Yeah. So I, again, carpet bomb the marketing departments, basically <laughs> it's as simple as that really. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, our marketers also obviously need some education and uh, some knowledge and how this actually works to help their own marketing. You mean I can't taste them all? <laughs> I mean, I think that's always a great start. And then when they get up, they can learn. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is just going to hurt for a really short period of time. And then we'll yep. talk about education afterwards. Yeah. Because you get the attention that way for sure. Because if you just tap them on the shoulder, <laughs> they're not listening. But if they're laying on the ground, they're definitely listening. <laughs> I'm liking this. I'm liking this. I'm liking where this is going. Remind me to use this. You're awesome. <laughs> Uh, so before becoming a hacker, were there role models that inspired you? And if so, who were those? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, so I, you know, I, I think it's, it's probably less individuals and it's more groups. So okay. I grew up, I, you know, I spent a long time in the UK and in Europe. So we had in Europe, we had a lot of the stuff coming out of CDC. So cult of the dead cow. Okay. So we had a lot of that cult of the dead cow. Yeah. There's some, there's some really awesome history from that standpoint. So that was definitely one of the, 
one of the groups, one of the bulletin boards, one of the, the focuses that was like, okay, kind of, I want to be like these guys kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think from a role model in the industry, probably, man, I'm trying to really think there probably wasn't really any one person that stood out from that standpoint. I mm-hmm. probably learned more from some of my bosses and then, you know, when I went in the military, I learned a lot about, you know, teamship, camaraderie and family um, mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And so that helped a lot. And then coming back out again, I mean, there's some, there's some amazing people. So, you know, I'm in the U S and I'm doing some stuff in the U S and there's, um, you know, there's a gentleman by the name of Ed Schlecht who is absolutely amazing in this industry, but then you flip it around and I mean, you know, let's look at one of the amazing role models of our industry or two of them. Actually, you look at Ada Lovelace and Grace Hopper. I mean, you want to put mm. those two pretty much on a flipping pedestal from mm-hmm. the standpoint of what they managed to achieve in this industry. And then you fast, well, actually you kind of fast forward and go backwards again. And I love the fact uh, you take the movie, the hidden figures movie that came out oh, what was yes. that, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, I watched that and I'm like, you know, on one hand, I'm like, damn it. And then the other hand, I'm like, yay, kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what they you know, were able to do in their time, right? Which, oh, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's it. I think that's, you know, there's so many amazing people in our industry that haven't had to fight as hard for that. Um, mm-hmm. But there are also people like Frank Abnigail is another one. I mean, he, yeah, he took the industry for a ride. I mean, he absolutely did some, some rather interesting stuff over the years. But yeah. you look at him as a human now and how much he has done to help the industry learn, how much mm-hmm. he's done with the federal authorities to actually help them understand why he was able to do what he was able to do how he was able to do what he was able to do. And, you know, to me, it's like Brett Johnson is another one in the industry. Brett, you know, Brett and I probably go back a long, long way to, to some very early Carter days, but you know, he got, he got nailed and he learned and you look at what he's doing now to help the industry. Mm -hmm. I have a ton of admiration for those people. I have a ton of admiration for people that had one way of doing things, got absolutely, you know, their ass handed to them to some degree, but managed to pick themselves up, learn, and have done so much for the industry since then. I think that's what I have a lot of time for. Those are some great names, and that's, like, really good. I couldn't have answered that question better myself. Um, so as far as security tools, what are some of the basic security tools that people are overlooking at home, you know, as we try to live with IOT and all of that, (laughs) what are some things that people at home could do or aren't really paying attention to? Oh, I think that's a tough one because I mean, the people at home stuff is a challenge because I mean, there, there is an argument in our industry that people at home shouldn't have to worry they should just be able to plug something in mm-hmm. and it works effectively and safely mm-hmm. but unfortunately safely. yeah but that isn't the case i mean you know you, you look at the cameras you look at the doorbell systems and a bunch of the other stuff and you're like who the hell ever let you put that into a product without actually running it past a bunch of us effectively right. effectively enough baby monitors those things oh that stuff I think it's, you know, it comes down to education. It's, you know, again, it's, if I'm going to plug something into my network, 
I want to know what it does. Mm -hmm. I want to know where it goes. And I want to know what the defaults are because I want to change them. Mm -hmm. So if people can educate themselves a little bit on understanding how they would do that, you know, do we want everybody to run, you know, uh, Wireshark? Probably not. <laughs> right, but, exactly. Yeah. But would we want people to maybe log into their home router mm -hmm. and look at, look at the traffic, even just look at it and maybe try to understand it and maybe ask some questions. But again, as an industry, we have to do a much better job of helping people understand what the right questions are. And then conversely, mm -hmm what the heck the right answers are to some degree yeah but our um grandmas and grandpas oh, are certainly not looking at this stuff that ain't gonna happen no and that's it it's like <laughs> so how can we protect them from <sighs> all the crazy people out there crazy criminals out there that want to take advantage of we them? gotta do a better job on the community level we really yep. really have to do a better job on the community level mm -hmm. um I did a I did a couple of talks a couple of years ago, and I need to do more. You know, it's time. But I did a couple of talks, and it they were called "Gunning for Grandma." <laughs> I love it. And it was all. I, I think the youngest person in most of the audiences I did this for was probably maybe sixty five, seventy. Oh yeah. And we just talked about scams. We talked about how easy it is. We talked about the authoritative figure. We talked about human engineering, the social engineering, but we did it in a fun way. Mm -hmm. You know, we, everybody learned through humor and we had a good conversation and I did a bunch of those and that's, you know, that's community. We did a couple yeah. of them at like an old church. We did a couple of them at a community center and an old people's home. So mm -hmm. I think it just takes more of us doing that right. to just help those people, you know, ask another question. And, you know, when the director of the FBI calls up and says that they should follow the instructions, to call <laughs> bullshit. I mean, literally to call bullshit on it. Mm -hmm. So I yeah. think that's part of it. Um, yeah. I think, you know, the carriers and the providers could do carriers. a yeah. much better job, a much better job than they're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, that's actually a really great idea to, you know, more of us out there helping our community um, whatever way we can and whether that is lunch and learns little workshop whatever invite the grandmas and people that aren't tech savvy to learn how to protect themselves yeah I mean it's you know we have so many people we do a lot of the b-sides conferences and there are a lot of people who are like oh my gosh I'm not sure I want to do it because I'm a first-time presenter I'm like well then go to your church go to your old people's home go to your family mm -hmm. and just do a presentation to them Mm -hmm. You know, use them as a test audience. You know, they're, they're older, they're mature, they've seen a lot, they'll have some amazing feedback. Mm -hmm. And you kind of get a tame audience to, to have some fun and just try to figure out how you want to talk and present to things. Right. Um, and there's so, so much material out there on, you know, all the types of scams and all the types of issues. So yeah. it's not as if you've got to research a new topic. You just basically either have to ask somebody in the industry Hey, mm -hmm. do you have any slides on this? And most of us will share or mm -hmm. build some slides and just get out there and, and talk to people. I love it. Thank you for that. And then I have this question that says, uh, what's the notable difference between a new hacker and a seasoned one? I mean, beyond gray the, hair. just no more. Gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of gray hair and the occasional bullet wound as well. <laughs> And they probably don't have tasers, so. 
No, no. <laughs> That'd be one way to know. <laughs> yeah, no. You haven't been shot at as often. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I thought that was a funny one. Um, hey. man. I, so I think the biggest, probably the biggest one is, um, I, I remember having this conversation. I, I ran a boot camp on, on some of the red teaming exercises. And this one person was like, I broke in. I'm like, congratulations. And I'm like, well, where are you? Well, I don't know. I, I got root on the box. Okay, well, where is it? I don't know, but I got root on it. Okay. Uh, cool. I don't care. <laughs> where is it in the enterprise? Where is it in the corporation? Where can you pivot? And so those of us that are older and a little more seasoned, we understand how an enterprise works. You know, we understand mm-hmm. ERP systems and front-end and back-end systems and applications and manufacturing systems. So I think we've had more exposure to like more different vertical markets. Mm-hmm. And so the folks that are coming into this industry, I think one of the biggest things they need to understand is it's all very well getting root on a box. Number one, who cares? Mm-hmm. But number two, it's where, what's the, where is that box? What's the risk in the industry to that box? Mm-hmm. Where can you go? And, and really it's understanding how an enterprise works. Mm-hmm. I can totally um, see that. Yeah, because at that point, you know, when you okay, so you know, it's, it's perfect. If you walk into a meeting and go, "Well, I got root on your box," and the manufacturing guy stands up and goes, "Well, I don't give a flying fudge bar," because that box isn't critical. You're almost a right. sudden deflated. Right. But if you approach it in a different way and go, "Look, here's what we were able to do. We understand where it is, but here is what the probability of us pivoting, and here's mm-hmm. what we could do, and here's what we learned, and here." is how we would help you reduce that risk. That's an entirely different productive conversation. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think the newer people are just excited that they were able to get in, but, you know, that's not the end goal here. So, Uh, okay, I want, and then I have really, really fun ones, and we're going to be quick on them because oh, I want to respect your time. <laughs> but uh, I want to start with this one because I like this one, and uh, I would be directly affected by this one. It literally says, Why haven't you erased my student loans yet? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, wouldn't be the first person to ask that question. Let's put it that way. I know. I, I ask uh, it every chance I get. Like, no, somebody me help me it. out here. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I think about at least once a week on Twitter, I get a direct message from somebody going, <laughs> can you hack this for me? Or can you break <laughs> into this for me? And I'm like, I love you. And I don't know if you're a fed or if you're a real person, but Uh, let me explain to you how this works. (laughs) And I don't want to go to prison. Yeah. um, I I, I like my life. Yeah. I've managed to avoid it and I like seeing my dogs and my daughter. I mean, it's, it's kind of how I look at it. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's probably the biggest, I mean, I guess there's two parts to that answer. One, because, I mean, could you get away with it? I think so, yeah. I mean, almost, <laughs> almost without a doubt. I mean, it's, I mean, if you really break it down logically these days, I think you can get away with it fairly easily. Now, the mm-hmm. challenge becomes one of, on my side of the fence, there's somebody equally as capable on the forensic side of the fence. So you've yes. got to be really freaking, like really stupid careful. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's you know there there is a a fun little way of looking at life at the moment there are you know you can use proxy servers i mean that's how we managed to obfuscate ourselves Mm-hmm. But the fact I'm using that proxy server probably means that the NSA is using it and the Intel communities and Army Cyber Command and mm-hmm. EFSB is probably using it. China's probably <laughs> running the stupid thing. Um, the Iranians are in, in there. Russia. The in there. Yeah. The Israelis are just sitting back in their chairs laughing at everybody using the stupid thing. <laughs> And it's like a freaking freeway and we're all on this freeway and occasionally we bump into each other and it's like the Spies Are Us movie. You bump into somebody <laughs> on the other side and you're like, oh, I'm ever so sorry. I'll just go this way. Um, have a good afternoon. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this is and too funny. So there's no easy way really. I mean, you know, everybody's got all the little loopholes, but half the ruddy loopholes are being run by like 20 different ones of us anyway. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And then the problem becomes one of like, okay, if I get rid of your digital record, some bugger's going to have the physical record in a warehouse, which means I've got to burn the bloody warehouse down. And then I get yelled <laughs> at for you know, burning stuff down and somebody's going to get all uppity about it. So, and there's a backup. So that means I've got to go blow up Iron Mountain as well. It just gets really complicated. Oh my goodness. Uh, and I think that actually just answers like three other questions because it was like, <laughs> can you get into government files? What is the yes. Vatican really hiding? Can oh, the just- Vatican's <laughs> awesome. We had the Vatican like years ago. Oh, well, tell us about it. Oh, that was hilarious. So a really good friend of mine. Um, sorry, I just took a mouthful of food at the same time. <laughs> so years and years ago, I mean, this is going back. God, like 15 years ago or so. Actually, no, hang on. Mo 16. Wow, like 16, 17 years ago. Do you remember the early days? Google used to send out these yellow boxes that you would put into your corporate enterprise. And that was like your like your search engine for the company. They were called like banana boxes because they were bright freaking yellow. Yeah. Well, the Vatican, the Vatican put a couple of these on their, on their internal network to, I guess, to start doing the archives. Well, Alex and I found these, a couple of these sitting out on the internet. So we started asking the archives all sorts of weird freaking questions. (laughs) Um, you know, I mean, it was almost like the Area 51 for the Catholics. It was hilarious. I mean, you know, we were, we, we hit this thing pretty hard and pretty heavy because quite honestly, we just wanted to empty the archives of everything. Um, <laughs> but um, we ended up, uh, we ended up having to hand, hand a lot of stuff back and, and, and have a long discussion with some very nice people in a foreign country. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that, yeah, so yeah. The that sounds some, very exciting. We'll, we'll just say the Vatican's got some really interesting stuff. <laughs> yeah. That we probably are better off not knowing. <laughs> You know, it's honestly, it's a toss up. It really is. It's it's a toss up between the Vatican or Area 51 as to which one I would really, that's like the only two things I left that I actually really want to hack. Everything else I've been fortunate enough to break into, but mm-hmm. it's really the Vatican and Area 51 are the only two, well, even not Area 51, it's all the stuff like next to it and out, but out in that neck of the woods. I really mm-hmm. just want to find out some of that stuff. Back to that information thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that was another question that says, have they checked stuff for Area 51 or space missions? <laughs> so. Well, space missions are fun, and I've been yelled <laughs> at a few times for, for, let's see, the space station, the Mars rover. Um, I've been told not to go anywhere near Voyager. 
Um, yeah, the space missions and I have got a good, and actually, if if anybody who's listening is going to DEFCON or is going to be part of the DEFCON thing, um, to their credit, the Air Force is actually having a hack the satellite challenge this year. So I'm oh. really, it's actually really, really cool. It's all official, it's all online. They're actually going to let you go after like a satellite to see what you can do and how you can do things. So pretty huge, huge amount of kudos to the Air Force for that one. That's amazing. Yeah, I've, I've never been to DEFCON and I really want to oh, go. Oh, you got to go. This well, might actually, be the I mean, one to go to. <laughs> We, yeah, it might be if we don't get blood. I mean, so much stuff has been canceled. There, right. there are definitely some discussions. I mean, every year everybody says DEFCON get canceled. This might be, uh, <laughs> it gets uh, bloody canceled. Oh, let's hope not. But you got to come. You got to come out. Come out to DEFCON. Come out and do B sites and and just come hang out. Be you know, you're part of the family. Just come out and hang out. Yeah, I, I might. I'll have the whiskey so, case with me. All right. Then I'm totally in. <laughs> then the, uh, the other one, I think this is going to be, okay, I'm going to put those two together because one says, can you transfer a billionaire's money and how much do celebrities really make? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, I just wanna, the, the second part of the dance, oh, like online celebrities? Yeah. I you know some of them actually do really really well. I was reading something about some kids in the UK and in Europe who were I mean they're raking in like a million dollars a year online stuff. I'm like holy smoke! <laughs> but you know it's like for everything for everyone who succeeds there's you know probably ten thousand. One hundred, yeah. yeah. Oh, there'll yeah. be a lot. Um, <laughs> I mean it's so actually that's an interesting one because let's let's hit that tangent for a second. If you look at where some of the industry is going, you look at the guys out of like Bug Crowd and Hack One, who do a lot of the bug bounty stuff. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of people in this industry who are spending time doing bug bounties, and you know I've done a bunch as well, mm -hmm. where they're making money. I mean, you make mm -hmm. money doing bug bounties. You get to help, you get to do the right thing, and you get paid for. It. I mean, you get paid to hack legitimately against targets. Mm -hmm that mm -hmm. you're allowed to touch and mm -hmm. you know you get to help make the things a little bit better and there's definitely some people making some good money on that how and do you find those uh it's uh, go to hack one go to bug crowd they they okay. have them online it's a open totally legitimate totally above board casey ellis who runs one of them is he's freaking amazing totally awesome guy um okay. and Matinus, uh martin and the crew at the other side are absolutely fantastic so it's all above board. It's all you sign up, you register, you do a whole bunch of official stuff, and then you can go in for some of the bug bounties. And there's there's like 10 or 20 different bug bounty programs out there. And it's actually really, really good. It's it's something I would encourage, especially if you're wanting to sharpen your skills and learn more yes. about the industry. It's actually a really, really good way of doing it. Yeah, that's one way I was thinking about it. If you, you know, you've already gotten your hands on the things, you know, how some things work, there's a good learning experience and if you're able to do you know break into it and you get paid if not then you learn some things and you try exactly it. Yeah, yeah exactly what was the other one can i transfer a billion dollars or a million dollars no can you transfer billionaires money to anybody so if you hacked into a billionaire's bank account i guess in this case <laughs> can you transfer the money <laughs> to my bank account, to my bank account. <laughs> You know, I think it depends on who it is. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll go with the probably on that one. <laughs> Are banks pretty secure? That's, I really need to know this part. Are uh, banks pretty secure? You know, they have had 
I mean, they've been beaten up for the last, yikes, what, 15 years, I think, for what, 10, 15 years for the PCI side of the world. So Mm -hmm. they are definitely, in some cases, let's put it this way, in some cases, they are definitely doing the best they can. I mean, there's some Mm -hmm. amazing guys. A really, really good friend of mine is over at B of A. Um, he's a good drinking guy and he's just absolutely fantastic. Uh, Jameson is, is one of those people who is a good human. I know that the team over there that he has, and also that the, the corporation as a whole is trying to do the best they can. Mm-hmm. And I think the same, you know, that you look at Wells and you look at some of the other banks out there, they're doing some amazing stuff. Um, That's good. And I, but the, the flip side of that is there's definitely a few of them who are simply just ticking the box. I'm doing enough to pass the audit. I've done enough mm, to get the check in right. the box and I'll leave it at that. And that that's frustrating because, you know, that's not security. That's literally mm-hmm. just, you know, ticking the box, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Well, I hope that there are more of them out there uh, doing the right thing. Uh, I think there are. I think there's some good ones. I mean, there's definitely some iffy ones. And, you know, this comes back to everybody's having challenges with getting the, the resources in place. And there's so many, you know, you look at, you look at how like B of A and some of the other companies are like going out into the community going, how can we help train you enough to bring you into our organization? I think those kind of mm-hmm. outreaches are pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So that brings me to the end of my questions and yeah. thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, that was a for ton of fun. This. I thoroughly, absolutely enjoyed it. This was a ton of fun. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, if people really love this and they want to hear uh, Chris answer more questions, I'm just going to put him on the spot and ask if he'd be willing to come back and answer them. Oh, heck yeah. Are you kidding me? This would be awesome. I'm, I'm totally up for this one. This would be a ton of fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. What I didn't mention at the beginning of this episode was that I asked a group of women of color in tech what questions they would have for a hacker. Uh, And then I asked those questions to Chris, who answered them really well on this episode. I want to encourage you to send me questions that you may have to bridgesintech at gmail.com bridgesintech at gmail.com and I would try to get those answered for you every week. Thank you and I hope to see you next week.